recoding. That's right. By the end of this podcast, you will no longer have allergies. We're recoding <laughs> you. Yeah, I uh, I take um, what is it Zyrtec? I take Zyrtec every morning. Um, more because I've discovered that I can't. It's not worth chancing that it's not going to be a bad allergy day. <laughs> so I just <laughs> right. so I just take it. Sweet. Hey, uh, I should do that. Like, hosting yeah, that thing. host intro thing. Sure, yeah. You can do yeah, that. yeah. Sorry, I'll stop interrupting. <laughs> no, it's. Uh, I like it that way. Actually, it makes me feel less responsible. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, you can so be like the, the Nerdist podcast where they talk for like six minutes before they even really start the show. Yeah, I I do <laughs> like that format a lot because I mean he gets guests that like you know who they are, you might recognize their voice. So, I mean, I always feel like if, um, I, I, I don't think that I'm that educated with some of the tech people. So a lot of these podcasts that revolve around tech, like on the five by five network and stuff like that, like if they didn't introduce who these people were, I'd be like, okay, your name is Scott. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> so, Yes, uh, this. If you're listening live, uh, welcome. Sorry for the uh, hiccup. New equipment. It's rad. Um, it is rad. Yeah, it's like the size of like Paul's entire desk. Um, <laughs> so, uh, and I know this because I don't know imagination. Uh, <laughs> so this is Montreal Sauce, and if you're not listening live, if you're listening to this on your podcast, hi, I hope you like your earphones, because I sound really good today. Um, and my name is Chris, and I'm away in the tundra that is Canada, and um, with me the is true Paul. The true north. <laughs> this is, yes, <laughs> for now. When the sun starts to uh, get hotter and everyone has to flee the warmer climates, he'll be coming here. <laughs> All right. That was a book I just read. But um, And with me is Paul. Say hi, Paul. Hello. That's Paul. And uh, tonight we were we were in negotiations to have Mr. Dan Benjamin from the 5x5 uh, network uh, with us. Um, but unfortunately, the BTW uh, light was cast skyward and Merlin Mann and Dan Benjamin had run off and thwart the fiendish <laughs> Professor Monotony and his corporate stooges. So um, this is true. Nevertheless, that's precisely have, what happened, actually. <laughs> I saw the light in Canada. It's crazy. It was a little bit greenish because of the northern lights. But um, yes, but with us tonight anyway, we have two guests, which are way better than one. So um, we have with us uh, Tini. Hi, Tina. Hi. Um, Tina, introduce yourself to everyone. I'm Tina. I'm Paul's wife. Boom. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's weird because that's how I introduce myself. Okay. So <laughs> we also have with us... Uh, Daniel J. Hogan from Clattertron.com. How's it going? It's going. You know, I, I listened to uh, my first appearance on your show this afternoon to kind of uh, recap everything. And I'm still kicking myself over that whole typo on my website where it was spelled <laughs> Clatterton dot or whatever. But that's long since been fixed. But it's still one of those things where I'm like, you know, damn it. How long was that there before 
you even pointed that out, you know? <laughs> and what's great it's a is that when you, you do everything by yourself. Yeah, this is true. Um, but it's great that you decided to come back on the show, even though I was an asshat and told everybody who listened that it, there was a typo. So. No, that's okay. It's okay. <laughs> and if they happen to put in Clatterton.com, that, I think that still resolves, at least at the, for the time <laughs> being. <laughs> yeah. I uh, Well, when that is going to lapse, let me know, and uh, I'll uh, I'll buy it or something. Okay. <laughs> well, I'll let you know. I'll transfer it your way. Sounds good. When I uh, when I moved here and started looking for work and put my reel on a on a website um, for a long time, I had owned the domain um, because I have sick days. I decided I'm going to buy Sick Media, so I own that domain, and then I uh, developed my uh, reel site and was getting ready to put it up. And in the middle of it all, I just started thinking like. I was really, I wasn't lucky because I use, use my last name, so there's two Ks. So it wasn't lucky that I got sick media. But if in general I was just talking like I am now to the audience and said, you should check out my website on sickmedia.com, I'm wondering if anyone will go there because they probably think it's some sort of like scat porn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like so rotten.com or something like that along those lines. Yes. So I decided midway through uh, putting it all together, I was like, you know, what? I'm just going to buy sickdaysmedia.com. It's a little more lengthy, but that, that'll work. And so, um, or I ended up just buying my name because I already own that or putting it on my name because I already owned it. And I was like, that's even better for my reel. How about that? But on the resumes that I had made and went to like Staples and had them printed on nice papers, I still had sick media. <laughs> So I was like, oh, no, I have to keep this <laughs> and make it resolve to, like, chrissickinga.com. I'm sure it was fine. You know, Canadians are renowned for their sense of humor. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. Yes. And hockey. There's also that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. they gave us William Shatner and Alan Thicke. So, you know. <laughs> yes. I am. Yes. You must have just recently listened to the podcast that you uh, pointed me to. With, uh, yeah, Alan the, <laughs> the Gilbert Godfrey one with Al, Alan Thicke, that was, uh, that was pretty great. I like how he referred to himself as the affordable Shatner. Yes. And he, I, it seems like in the back of my mind, I knew that he had sort of like a variety show or a talk show, but I'm kind of terrified to like YouTube, like <laughs> thick of the night. Yeah. <clears throat> sounds I've, like some uh, kind of Merkin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. That probably would have made for a better show from based on what I've heard. <laughs> yes, from the man himself. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, even and he didn't like it. He he definitely tore it apart, that's for sure. And what's terrifying is it was it was a variety show. So like just in the middle of the show, like Alan Thick would like walk out with a guitar and like sing a song. Um, and so that sounds terribly scary because I don't picture him as a singer. <laughs> Although Where do you that's think like his son got it from. Well, it's true, and I was just gonna like think. Well, you know, most of the, like the uh, very popular artists in the states are from Canada. <laughs> they just go there to be successful. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they're just taking advantage of the exchange rate. 
<laughs> this is true. Or at least that used to be the excuse. I don't I don't think I don't think that really matters that much anymore, does it? Oh, I remember there was a time um long time ago, back when I was like 19 and I could go to Windsor and the exchange rate was so great. You could go to Windsor on like, you know, 20 bucks American and the town was your oyster pretty much, you know. Just cuz the exchange rate was so good. Oh yeah, the only time I've ever been to a casino was in Windsor and then because of the exchange rate, I like told myself, oh, I can only, you know, gamble with like 50 bucks. And even though I lost most of it because of the exchange rate, when I came back, I still didn't lose anything, right? <laughs> <laughs> I did the math beforehand because I was so frightened of gambling. And then like any true like gambling was like if there was a blackjack game that was, you know, $10 in or something, I'd be like, oh, my gosh, no way. That's too steep. Yeah. Yeah, not much of a gambler when it comes to real money. <laughs> yeah, when, when it, we were there, I didn't I didn't gamble at all. I just was there because you got free drinks. Yeah, and they don't do that anymore, do they? No, they don't do I I think they still do a lot of that in Vegas, but I don't think they do that um at a lot of especially at casinos uh in Michigan at least because I think um there's probably some regulations involved in at least within the state of Michigan. I don't know about uh in Windsor. But plus the ones in Michigan, you know, the reservation ones, so um that's a whole other can of worms as far as uh right legality and everything. So. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah, they have those here as well. Um and it is like different it's all different. Reservation land is interesting. They call it reservation land up there because I know um, they're not called Native Americans up there. They're for, it was it First Nation or something that's, like that. That's exactly right. Yeah, but I believe okay. they do call them the reservation still. Okay, it is. It's interesting to like run into older people um, here because they still use a lot of the same American slang that I'm used to from like old racist people so right <laughs> they, they will say those darn engines or something like that and i'm like oh i was kind of expecting there'd be some other sort of canadian horrible slang thanks <laughs> yeah it's bad but it's it's very rare well it's not like we have a football team with a native american <laughs> racial slur for its name or something like that kicking around down here so so that brings me to something that I have notes, I swear. Uh, <laughs> are any of you uh, listening uh, low in your morals as me and you watch like the South Park TV show or no? <laughs> I don't have uh, Comedy Central uh, right now. We kinda, we downgraded our cable this past year and uh, so I don't get to – unless it's on Netflix or something, I don't get to watch it. Right. Yes, I, I, we don't have cable either. I just, it's the or something when I get to watch it. So, <laughs> right. They, they recently did an episode, just made me think of it, where it was a great uh, episode because, in true South Park fashion, they are making fun of many things at once. And so the boys want to do a startup company because um, that means basically that you don't have to work, you don't have to do anything with a startup. So, <laughs> right. <laughs> right. so <clears throat> the episode begins with them 
Um, like in some sort of office somewhere, just saying the most horrible things you've ever heard come out of anyone's mouth because they're <laughs> trying to find a name to use for their company. But everything's copywritten. So um, it turns out that uh, Washington Redskins is not copywritten. So they decide to use that as the name of their company. And um, they make a <laughs> Kickstarter page and they basically their video is like, we don't want to work. And so it goes viral like the uh, potato salad guy. (laughs) They make lots of money. And so then you have the football team actually enraged because they, you know, they work hard and they are professionals and they don't want to be um, (laughs) in the same group as these like slacker kids. So it was (laughs) just a really interesting juxtaposition, making fun of startups and everything. And yeah, it was uh, quite entertaining. Um, a new way to look at the whole argument. And this last episode that I just watched was about uh, freemium games. So they're really getting into the internet culture now. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> so they were talking. And it was great because uh, I just threw it on while I was working. And, of course, the freemium game was a Terrence and Philip game. So the whole episode was about um, us evil Canadians, um, us flappy-headed Canadians. And it was pretty hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so that's my share <laughs> i think the uh i think the whole kickstarter model is is interesting and i don't i i'm not i certainly wouldn't knock it because i think if it's a way to fund your company and get and get started then it's a great thing but uh i do think a lot of the folks that are on their kickstarting things are already pretty professional and probably have other avenues that they could fund these things. Like I think a lot of the things that are runaway successes on Kickstarter are things that they could easily have secured some kind of funding for, and they just wanted to do it a different way and then not have to owe, owe that money to anybody. It's like I, instead of uh, it, in a Kickstarter, instead of investing and then having your investment be capital that you can get back out of the company your investment is i'm going to give you money and you're going to make this thing that you send me and i've contributed to a lot of kickstarters but i think it's a interesting model for uh getting your business going and yet at the same time so many of the ones that get popular i feel like are people who they're already fantastic product designers. They know everything that needs to happen and they probably have access to the right people to finance those things. They just don't want to do it. They just don't want to give up the equity. They'd rather fund that first run of the product and send that first run of the product out and then not owe anything to anybody and have the proprietorship of their, of their business that they're starting. Right. Yeah, there's been some recent uh, issues with that too. Like some people are not, um, you know, they're not making the promises that they've, uh, fulfilling the promises um, sure. and releasing things on time. And there is little to hold them to it because Kickstarter has already made their money. And so it's a little bit of a controversy. Um, so I guess that's sort of the opposite end of the spectrum of the kind of folks you're talking about, but there is a trend. I've noticed it. It's kind of like when eBay was out, like everybody was like, I'm going to sell my stuff and I'm going to buy some cool stuff. And then all of a sudden you get like actual retailers, like selling their (laughs) merchandise on eBay. And so now, now you do, you have like these sort of 
larger entities and companies who are already established, but um, still using Kickstarter to fund things rather than beholden to investors. Yeah, I um, I've backed a few things, and I haven't had any bad luck yet. But a friend of mine, he backed a game, board game of some kind, and it was like more than a year past due and all this other kind of stuff. So he did not have a good experience. It kind of soured him on the whole Kickstarter concept. Um, last I heard from him about it, but uh, I've had good luck myself, the things I've backed. And uh, I actually just listened to a podcast this morning with um, the guy who does the Dinosaur Comics website, Ryan North. Mm. Yeah. He was talking about his Kickstarter for the uh, Choose Your Your Own Adventure Hamlet book that he did that (laughs) ended up raking in like $580,000 or something. Because his uh, his goal was like twenty grand to do a run of books, and they ended up getting, you know, more than half a million dollars. <laughs> wow! So he was saying he had stretch goals in mind, but he was hoping, you know, maybe by the end of the month they'd be at a hundred, and maybe at a hundred k. Well, they were at a hundred k by like the end of the first day, and so instead of having weeks to plan stuff. He had hours, and so he was scrambling to figure out what to do to sure. for the stretch goals. Sure. So it was pretty interesting. That was on the uh, Make It and Tell Everyone podcast, I think it's called. I just discovered that this week. Oh, There's cool. a lot of uh, artists. We will link to that in the show notes, which you can find at MontrealSauce.com. That's Make really... It Then Tell Everyone. That's what it's called. <laughs> Make it first, right? Yeah, yeah. it's a, it's a British guy. It's a podcast from the it. future. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So you guys what? wanted to talk about red shirts? Was that uh, the big thing you wanted to hit on? This is true. Paul had mentioned uh, that we have all read it, and you've actually met the author. Yep, and I just finished reading his recent novel, uh, Lock-In, which I also enjoyed. Okay. Cool. Yeah, I. Uh, it's a, it's actually now been a couple of months, I think, since I read uh, Red Shirts, or since I finished Red Shirts, and then I kind of did a quick reread of it uh, a few weeks ago, too, because I was kind of thinking we'd have you on again at some point, and I wanted to kind of keep it fresh in my mind a little bit, but... Uh, I would say just to kind of kick things off that I uh, I really enjoyed it. I kind of knew the conceit already, but I don't think it's particularly hidden. Like, uh, but the way that it's delivered in the in the book is uh, is interesting as well. Um, and as you kind of get further into it, like it, it goes further than I initially knew as well, which I thought was which I thought was a fun uh, reveal of how these characters kind of come to be and and uh and and come to realize what's happening to them and then just how far that actually then goes once they've figured out what what's happening to them how they figure out how to sort of escape or reset things yeah um i guess what i liked about it to be brief was that um it was you know it was different and it was in in it, in it it took a challenge and um, not took a challenge. It took a chance and, you know, tried to break the rules, I guess, as far as those kind of stories and, um, and those kind of books and whatever. I think that's why it's 
I don't know if polarizing is the right word, but just a lot of like for as many people who liked it, a lot of people didn't like it or just thought it was weird and strange. Mm. But mm. I, I at least um, uh, liked it for I liked it anyway. But also I liked it because it was different and it took a you know a chance on something and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I personally i I think I told Paul after I read it that I um. I thought the characters were like a little meh. Like I felt like the main <laughs> crew of ensigns, they were all sort of the same character. Um, they didn't feel like they like at least definitely the uh, female ensign and the main character. They both seemed to have the same like wry wit. Um, but other than that, like the way that it's the the three codas as he calls them, I think right. Um, those sort of different perspectives to tell the story and I think that was like a nuance that uh, kept me going um, so I, I would definitely recommend it it's one of those books that you can like plow through r- really quickly it's like a good summer read yeah I um, I don't think if I mentioned this on the last episode but it was actually the first book I ever bought uh, via my Kindle which was actually by accident when I first did it I mean I would wanted to buy it anyway but I click the buy it now thing kind of by accident because I didn't really know what I was doing. And uh, there it was. But, and you bought it then. Yeah, and then I bought it, but that's fine. <laughs> you know, whatever. I still read it and I still liked it. I was going to buy it anyway. Um, but, uh, yeah, it just it had that honor of being the first book I bought for my Kindle. Yeah, nice. that's that's interesting. I, I, um, I don't buy a whole lot of physical books anymore, but in this case I bought a physical copy of it uh, at a, uh, at a Barnes and Noble. Um, I'm, I'm a pretty big fan of, I don't have a Amazon Kindle device specifically, but I have the Kindle app and I'm a pretty big fan of, um, just buying books and reading them through the Kindle app on my, uh, on my phone or on my, uh, iPad. And, uh, but I will say that the majority of those books tend to be, uh, like, Star Trek novelizations and just basically um, the <laughs> really, really cheap, really easy fiction that doesn't stretch my brain because I'm trying to put myself to sleep at to sleep at night. And I feel like when I'm buying something that has I don't want to say um, I don't want to say something that has a little bit more originality to it because some of those Star Trek novels can be can be pretty interesting with what where they're trying to stretch that universe in terms of science fiction, but it's, it's set within a universe. Right. And there's a lot of things like, you know, all of these characters extremely well. So a lot of the hard work's already done because you have the universe, you have the characters. Like if someone said, write a book about data, I'd like, okay, you know, a lot of that's (laughs) already taken care of. Yeah. Along those lines, actually, and speaking of uh, Star Trek books, I found for my wife, a, uh, Star Trek Academy Adventures paperback at a library book sale last month. It's it's um, a young c- cadet Data in the Academy, and it's like <laughs> the mystery of the lizard people or something. It's called. It's pretty silly, but uh, <laughs> yeah, she enjoyed it. It was well worth the twenty five cents. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, nowadays when I do buy a physical um, book. A physical Star Trek book. It's usually because I'm I'm at like a used bookstore and there's like ten of them there for a dollar, and uh, 
and I'm like, okay, well, I haven't uh, read this one or this one, and I need something while we're on this vacation or whatever it is. But uh, but I do read a lot of the a lot of the new ones, and I and I typically read them through my Kindle because if I don't, I go through them pr- pretty quickly, and then I build a gigantic stack of book of paperback books that I'll never read again. Whereas right. with red shirts, I felt like. It's somewhat original. It's probably something that I'm going to read a couple of times. Um, and I I do like owning physical books when I feel like, you know, there's a value in um, holding it and keeping that copy. Whereas the digital, um, digital paperbacks, if you will, um, are kind of, they're digitally ephemeral in that same sense. Like I, it could go away and it probably wouldn't bother me because I've already read it and I'm probably not going to reread it. Right. Uh, another book I bought at that same used book sale was a full house novelization. <laughs> I bought it for my sister for her birthday. <laughs> it was uh, it was a legit novelization of a full house episode, one that I actually remembered watching, where uh, Stephanie got her ears pierced against her dad's wishes. Ah, Danny was none too happy with that. Nope, nope. And it kind of made me think too, like, this is interesting because there was a time where that was just part of uh, the marketing machine for a property. Like, you know, you would just, you would have books based on a TV show, even though it didn't really make a lot of sense, but that's just what sure. you did. You know, yeah. nowadays I, I doubt they would even do anything like that. Or at least they wouldn't release it in print, maybe as an ebook, but I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Of like a, of like a sitcom is kind of, is kind of strange to me. Like I, I can't envision going to the, uh, I can't envision going to uh, Schuster books and seeing like a big bang theory, um, maybe a big bang theory comic book, like graphic novel. I could maybe yeah, kind maybe. of envision, but not, not an actual like novelization of an episode of the big bang theory. And, uh, is Tina still with us? What are you reading? <laughs> I'm reading this um, uh, site called Daily Mail, and it has all of these <laughs> junk stories on it. <laughs> I'm reading about an NFL ex NFL cheerleader who was like doing sick stuff to a 15 year old boy. <laughs> oh, nice! That would be a good novel. Yeah, well, that's just what's on my screen right now. I'm I'm actually looking for something interesting to read, not something disgusting like that. It's called Touchdown. Anyway, um, <laughs> I'm, I'm reading. Uh, that was a really right sick now. thing to say on Paul's podcast. If he edits that out, everybody's going to think I'm a weird perv. You're not the perv. The Daily Mail is. <laughs> yeah, I blame the Daily Mail. <laughs> This is America. You're not to blame when there's a corporation around. <laughs> yep, exactly. <laughs> I don't have that protection anymore. <laughs> no, that's right. Corporations aren't people where you live. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> and if they are, they move to America. <laughs> yep. Well, you heard about Burger King buying Tim Horton so they could relocate their headquarters in Canada to not pay as many taxes. No, oh, I didn't yeah. know that. Oh, really? Oh, wow. Yeah. Yep. I did that actually go through? I know that was talked about. I'm well, not sure, but there were like there was like terrible uproar here. Because yeah. that's an old wound too because Wendy's had done that prior. So. Yeah. Oh, exactly. really? 
Yep. Who did Wendy's yeah, buy? Yeah, Burger King decided, well, we're not going we don't want to pay any more taxes here in the states. And so they were going to buy Tim Hortons for the sole purpose of being able to relocate <laughs> their headquarters to wow. somewhere in Canada and not pay as many taxes, which is just like that kind of shit should be illegal. But uh I'm not yeah. on the show down here, so there, it was like, of course, like there's two sides to everything. But over here, it was like some people were like, oh, man, get your filthy American hands off of like our Tim Hortons because it's an institution. <laughs> and then there was like the other like, you know, the business majors <laughs> who were all like, yeah, that's cool. We'll take your money. Yeah. <laughs> right. Their coffee. That's how I survived when Amelia was a baby. I threw them in the car. and I got a coffee and I drove around till they fell asleep. <laughs> <laughs> you and that Dead was Mouse. called nap time. <laughs> Good old Timmy's. Yeah, you know the story of how that came to be, right? That whole business. It was uh, I too. Tim Horton yeah. uh, was a uh, hockey player, correct? Yep. Well, that was because it was back in the day when hockey players in the in the NHL they needed a job in the off season. Yeah, because they weren't right. millionaires. So he just started up a coffee and donut place and to kind of supplement his income he uh yeah um i think it was after he was gone um wendy's bought tim hortons from uh his family and then uh and that was sort of like the big like this is how we're going to get tim hortons into the states and so Mm. a lot of a lot of stuff out here in the west if i go across the border um you see, uh, or even here actually in town, you'll see like a building that is Wendy's on one side and Tim Hortons on the other. Wow. Um, and so, and it's kind of interesting because then the family got through uproar or whatever, um, to got the business back. So I'm always like, so it's a franchise. So I'm wondering if the person who like owns the Wendy's franchise owns the Tim Hortons franchise because they're not the same business anymore. <laughs> I'm always like, it's so weird that they're still in the same building together. I guess the person owns both of them. I don't know. Yeah, you could. I mean, it's not uncommon for someone who's a franchisee or to yeah. um, own more than one franchise of something, you know, it's sure. That's pretty commonplace. You have like Fox, Kia, Audi, (laughs) Chevrolet, Ford. (laughs) Yeah, right. So, yeah. But uh, yeah, it's it's so insane here. Like, um, because there's a lot of Starbucks around here, but you could go into Starbucks and get your coffee within five minutes. And like the Timmy's across the street, it's going to take you about 25 minutes to get a coffee because it's so busy there. (laughs) and my wife like has you know a little bit of logic in her or a cranky husband standing next to her so she's like let's just go to starbucks (laughs) but the rest of the people don't do that they're all waiting in line because they're like addicted to timmy's and it's really funny whenever tim tim hortons comes out with like something new like they've been trying out like this uh dark roast or something everyone is like you know so then as with all fast food joints, like you go there, you go to the drive up and you say, you know, you, you get up to the window and they're like, hi, would you like to try the dark blend today? And people are like, the what? No, just give me my double double. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Tim Hortons is like, we're going to come out with new things like other places do. And like Canadians are like, no, we love you already. Stop making crap. 
<laughs> yeah. I would say, uh, as somebody who pretty regularly gets Tim Horton's coffee on his way into work, uh, that I have tried the dark roast and it's, um, doesn't taste that much different than the regular <laughs> to me. It's new Coke. What? But that's, I, that may be because I have them put cream in it and maybe the cream is just such an overwhelming flavor in the coffee that that's really all that I'm really tasting, which most um, coffee aficionados would probably say, yes, that's exactly what's happening. You're just tasting cream, but. Nice. I just like to let that hang out there for a second. <laughs> um. <laughs> Sorry, I was, I actually emailed myself uh, show notes uh, earlier while I was thinking of it. I meant to mention that I uh, finally read Down and Out in the Magic Kingdom. Oh, yeah. So what'd you think? That was also very different and um <laughs> yes and uh kind of took a lot to wrap my head around at times. Um I definitely enjoyed it cuz I'm a big Disney World fan and uh it it's neat to see someone kind of play with the park and the whole futurism side of it is interesting too, but there was definitely some parts of it like uh, wait, what's going on, you know, but um overall I liked it. Yeah, Corey, um, his, uh, I like his style and I read a bunch of his books and I read that one and I know exactly what you're talking about. The, um, there's this sort of singularity thing happening in that book where if you get hurt or whatever, there's a backup of you and you just get a new body and you're ready to go. But it gets a little technical at times and so you get a little lost, but, um, I find the same with uh, the author um, Charles Strauss, who I like to read as well, even though I find that same challenge. And the two of them wrote a book together called, like, I think it's The Rapture of the Nerds. And I just read yeah. that one recently. And holy cow, like, I was lost, like, 70% of the time in that book. <laughs> then maybe I won't pick that one up next. I do want to read his uh, Little Brother book. Yeah, that's the that one is the one uh like about the NSA and all that stuff, right? Yeah, I think so. It's kind of more young adult and Yeah. I, I keep hearing good things about it. I that's the first one I ever read and I was like super psyched because like of his publishing model like for free. So, um of course I got it for free, but then um I didn't want to read it on a screen cuz it came out a really long time ago. And so right. I think I was, I don't know, I probably was working at the university and was evil. And that's why the school calls you for donations is because I printed the entire PDF out <laughs> at <laughs> university. Well, <laughs> I, I can tell you my, my theory about that. Um, the way I, I figured um, my tuition went to buying printer paper and everything so i would just go into one of the print labs and just grab a ream of paper and take it back to my apartment and just <laughs> print stuff off there because i hated waiting for a computer Mm-hmm. Yes. yeah waiting for a computer was was a pain in the butt at uh at grand valley it just those lab they there was never enough labs at least in the years that we were there there were never yeah. there were never enough computers in the well, labs it was like when you just wanted to print something, like there weren't enough like print only 
you know, be here for 10 minutes or less station kind of things. Yeah. Yep. And, uh, the better mm-hmm. still was uh, toward the end of my uh, time there was I got hipped to the uh, secret code to get free Xerox copies on the machines. <laughs> and it was actually very simple. And uh, so I would just use that to run off copies of stuff all the time. And I think it was, uh, I think you were gone at that time when the new building, what was it, Ontario came? I think so, yeah. And then they had the they, Mac maybe, lab in there. Yeah, I think that was done by the time I left or had just gone up or was going up or something. I can't remember. The Mac lab in or, Ontario was magical because, like, nobody knew about it. And then, like, at right. this time, like, Apple wasn't hip and there wasn't an iPhone. So, like, <laughs> college students were terrified of Macs. Like, I don't yeah. even know how yeah. do I. Oh, that's right. So that lab was, like, a gorgeous place to go print something or even write a paper. You're supposed to do be in there doing audio or video, but, like, right. everybody in the know was doing that. And then, like, the next semester after that, like, other people found it. And then it was the same as all the other labs. You're like, oh, I yeah. can't. <laughs> it was well, annoying. when I lived in Calder, I would just go to the, the um, class sides of the building and just go in there and print stuff off because, you know, like you said, it was – a lot of people just didn't realize it was there or what it was for and, and everything. And They didn't want to walk that there. far in the cold. Well, yeah, there's that <laughs> yeah, too. That edge of the campus. Yeah, trust me, I did that walk. I mean, I would live there and have to walk all the way to, you know, um, uh, Kleiner. And, uh, that, oh, that was yeah, a walk. yeah, that was a hike. Yep. Oh, man, I lived in those old apartments like before any of the other big ones had had uh, gone up beyond Kleiner. Yeah. And I had to walk from there all the way to Calder several times a day. Oh, jeez. I know, right? Especially in, mm-hmm. with the snow that we had, uh, you know, like in 2000 and 2001. Well, I like to tell people the story of how I actually lost one night. I was coming out of um, um, Lake Superior, and after, like, working in the the – uh, equipment room or something and there was a snowstorm and it was you know middle of december so it was pitch black out and uh i was walking through a field and i had to stop and look around for a couple of minutes because i totally lost my bearings because there i didn't know what direction i was going in because oh, that's when i lived in laker village and <laughs> i had to figure out which direction to head in yeah yeah aren't you supposed to urinate oh i'm sorry that's an avalanche <laughs> yeah <that's> something else <laughs> <laughs> that's true it's true I, I know this I don't know why but if you're you live in Canada it, now you have to yeah, in Edmonton you right. know that kind of stuff I had to know it just to get across the border I show them my Canadian card and then they're like okay how do, what do you do if you're in an avalanche and I'm like pee <laughs> <laughs> if you survive Does an avalanche because it, it well, melts the snow around you, or that's right. You a you create an air pocket, and b whichever way the urine goes is obviously b- where gravity is down. <laughs> so you want to oh, dig so the opposite turned direction. Turned upside down. Yeah. Uh-huh. Because if you get caught in an avalanche, of course you'll survive and not be torn to bits. So right, <laughs> right. That's assumed. Because snow is soft and cuddly, and Canadian. <laughs> <laughs> there's like a little microscopic so, like R are you, are any of you guys doing a novel writing month what did you call it National Novel Writing Month 
Yeah. Okay. Nano Rimo. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I couldn't know. I didn't know how to say it, and I I had it in my notes to ask you if you were doing it, and in my notes I wrote Nanaimo. <laughs> yeah. Um, because, well, I'm technically writing a new book right now, but it's not part of NaNoWriMo. Um, I don't because I just I don't have the energy for cranking out that many words a day. Yeah. Right yeah. now. Um, but I'm doing like around 500 words a day on a, on a new book, and um. But uh, for those who are listening, if they're thinking of trying it, it's worth trying at least once. It's good to like see if you can uh, um, get in the habit of writing every day and all that kind of stuff. So it's worth it for that, for sure. Yeah, i i haven't uh, I haven't engaged on it um, this year, um, but I need to get in the habit of actually blogging more. Um, on the old uh, padizio.com. Uh, for a while, I had a decent momentum where I was getting something out once every couple weeks or so, and then eventually became once every couple months or so. And now it's like yeah. maybe once every six months or so. And yeah, no, it's it's cons- consistency, man. That's that's the key. Exactly, exactly. So yeah, that's and I a- and I feel like that as an event is kind of like that's something where. Yeah, it's going to be overwhelming, but I might develop a habit out of the end of it. Yeah, well, even, you know, like what I'm doing now, I'm doing 500 words a day, which the good thing about doing NaNoWriMo a bunch of times where I was trying to crank out 2,000 words a day is, you know, if you do 2,000 words a day a couple times, 500 words is nothing. I mean, (laughs) that's, you know, (laughs) that's that's taking a drink of water. That's nothing. You know, that's easy. Your thoughts just start coming to you at the end of that. Right. But then that's good because it keeps you interested. And then that's right. Why, that's, yeah. Um, it's, you know, stopping on a high note because it helps you remember and it also helps you um, keep the drive going to keep doing. Because, you know, if you're doing the 2,000 words a day thing, it's you get really burned out and you're just kind of slogging through mm-hmm. and it becomes a chore. So. Yeah, what's that magic number, Paul? We both should know it from our previous employment. 21 days to form a habit? <laughs> yeah, yeah, something <laughs> along those lines. Yeah, That was a idea for a blog my wife had that I still try to get her to do, um, where every month she would try to like come up with a new good habit or just try something new, whatever. It's like, so, for example, like for November... Um, she's only going to watch foreign movies or something or whatever, you know, like something like that. And then like December, you know, try, you know, whatever, cooking vegetarian or something, whatever. Mm. That's an idea she had. And I keep telling her it's a good idea. But, uh, so no one steal that. (laughs) Patent pending. Patent pending. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, I'm always, that's, I'm envious of, uh, Every time I open up Twitter and see uh, Daniel J. Hogan posting something on his blog, I'm like, what the what? Like, he's got this consistency thing. I totally don't have that. Yeah, I just uploaded a new design to my Society6 store last night. That was fun. (laughs) My little uh, coffee, smiling coffee cup that says, you had me at cough. You know, There's there's a special going on right now, so I figured, well... I've had this idea for a couple of months. This is probably as good a time as any to put that out there because people get five bucks off and uh, free shipping if they um, follow a link from my website or uh, 
Twitter because it's it's not like an automatic thing. You have to actually like click the link. Mm. Yeah, I uh, five hundred words a day is um, it's more than you think. It is. I mean, yeah, you can. Uh, yeah, don't get me wrong. I've there's been days where I've, especially with this new book, um, where I've struggled to hit five hundred words, but. Um, you know, it's the first draft, so it's it's the spaghetti test. I'm just doing whatever. I'm not worrying about a bunch of stuff. I'm just kind of, you know, seeing where it goes. And if I get an idea, I just do it and that sort of thing. But yeah, yeah I it, can be, it can be a challenge for sure. That's definitely been key for me when I took a creative writing course at Grand Valley. Um, the free writing exercise, like that was one of the hardest things for me to do. And it's still helps me today like just let it go like yeah oops i screwed that up or oh this would be a better sentence and nope don't stay away from the backspace key just keep going like it helps me and then put it together later but um but yeah 500 words i someone was uh doing the the uh november novel writing thing or talking about doing it and they're like i don't even think i could write like 300 words a day and i was like sure you can whenever i do show notes they end up being like 500 words and then i was like yeah i was like oh but i'm also the one who's like man it takes me a long time to do show notes and i look at other (laughs) podcasts and they have like three and i'm like i guess i don't have to write this down do i (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) you do do fantastic show notes which again are available at montrealsauce.com. It's true. In the last, probably the last uh, four or five or six, I've been adding a little cartoons and to all of them too. So, um, I check that out. Yeah, I just get a little uh, inspired by like some older cartoons and things, and then. I think it was a show that I didn't know what kind of a link to put somewhere. So I just found an old cartoon clip. And then from there, it's just been, <laughs> I'm going to do this every show notes just for fun. See if anyone finds them. So yeah, yeah. So yeah have a look at that. I got uh, really lost the last show notes that I've done, which are coming up in uh, Thursday or so, a couple of, a week or two from now, but I got lost and, I totally forgot. Well, I'm the old person on this show, but I totally forgot. <laughs> so it turns out that um, when video games were cool, because when I was a kid, Pac-Man came out and it became like this huge thing. And then you had like Centipede and all this stuff. And they became so like culturally in that they all got their own cartoon. And yep. so everybody had their own cartoon. Well, it turns out I don't really remember this, but... Um, I saw a clip. There was like um, CBS for their Saturday mornings had like the Saturday morning supercade. And so they had like (laughs) um, Mario and Frogger and like Donkey Kong cartoons. And it it was just really fascinating because I barely remembered them. And then I ended up watching clips of this uh show hosted by scott Bayo, who was promoting and <laughs> promoting an album of his crazy uh it was like this saturday morning like 
premiere show like we're gonna show you what cartoons are coming out this fall and scott bay was gonna sing a song for you and it had sorel book and um oh i'm really bad i should know his name because he's a really great actor and teacher but they had basically they had roscoe and boss hog from the dukes of hazard as well <laughs> James sort of like, thank you <clears throat> they had them spying on like this whole Scott Bayo concert and then they introduced the fact that there was a Dukes of Hazard cartoon and um then they introduced this Benji show if you guys know who Benji is like oh, he's yeah, like oh, yeah. wannabe lassie but <laughs> but because it was the 80s and because like sci-fi is always cool Benji I remembered when I saw this clip, I was like, oh, my gosh, I remember this show. Benji, um, his live action, found like a spaceship in the woods and this little boy comes out and he's like a prince from another planet dressed exactly like the kids from the Ewok adventure. That's not a real movie (laughs) and not canon. Um, And he has like this flying robot that's basically like a um, flying saucer with like a hose coming out and a head with these two gigantic cartoon eyes and his name is Zack. So it's like something like Benji and Benji and Zack and the Alien Prince or something is the name of the show. And I was just like, <laughs> wow, this is really bad. And I remember liking this. <laughs> <laughs> I was reminiscing uh, yesterday, I think actually of um, in the 90s, the slew of shows that were inspired or based on celebrities like so you had hammer man and pro stars and wish kid and camp (laughs) candy life with louie and little rosie and uh, as a friend reminded me gravedale high with rick moranis and (laughs) there was just all these weird cartoons in the 90s based on people who probably shouldn't have cartoons based on them like roseanne had a cartoon show which is just really weird although she didn't do the voice (laughs) <laughs> yeah that is really crazy mm-hmm. I one time I was at a, a family event and uh, I made a joke to my cousin who was on our recent uh, one of our film prone podcasts I made a joke to him about Mr. T and a younger cousin was in the room and we look at him and we're like you didn't get that you don't know who Mr. T is he's like oh yeah he's that guy from that cartoon on Saturday mornings and I was like, what are you? He was younger than the A-team, so he didn't remember the A-team. Oh, but he remembered yeah. the Saturday right. morning cartoon with Mr. T yeah, on it. Was, oh, yeah. It was him A-team. and like the gymnastics team or whatever the heck it was. <laughs> yes, yeah, it was a gymnastics team. It was like from that era of cartoons was all like, you know what? We just need some kids who like solve mysteries like Scooby-Doo because that's big. So that's the formula. <laughs> <laughs> It's like well, Captain it's about, Caveman. Okay, solves yeah. mysteries with like cute little girls. Jabberjaw mysteries. Mm-hmm. Weird. <laughs> I mean, you stick with what works, you know. <laughs> exactly. That's what I I made a comment recently on uh, on the uh, cupcake, the uh, tent social network, because um, someone was saying something about. Uh, movies and i was just like i'm i've been enjoying the old movies that we're watching on film round because my expectations maybe they're low but i don't have expectations because i feel like so much of the media 
today is looking for that magic formula. So you just end up with like a lot of clones, like a lot of like things that are exactly the same. Like how many cop dramas have we had in the last 20 years? (laughs) (laughs) Like, it's just like, wait, that works. Let's go with it. And so then when I watch like a movie from the seventies, it does not fit into here anywhere. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) a boy and his dog has its failings or whatever but you gotta say you gotta admit it's unique i mean it it stands out you know it's it's different that's for sure yeah tina you watched that one didn't you we didn't get you on the show to talk about it (laughs) yeah i really liked that one (laughs) i especially liked the ending yeah oh yes and I totally, like, I'd seen it before. And then when I watched it before the show, I was like, oh, I totally forgot that part. It was gross. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, it was. I actually, I kind of shouted that and looked at Paul and I was like, did you really eat her? <laughs> What's happening? That's the end? What the end? That's pretty much what my wife said, too. <laughs> we watched it together. Yeah, and I then you proceeded to watch uh, some My Little Pony. Yes, <laughs> we needed a, a My Little Pony palate cleanser. You're right; I forgot about that. <laughs> I think per her instruction, she's like, "We got to watch something else. Like, put My Little Pony on or something. I need something happy and cute." So we watched a couple episodes of My Little Pony: colon, Friendship Is Magic. Right. <laughs> so colon. Mm-hmm. I think in parody it's okay, so I think you should really. That's a new product for your uh, store, Dan. Is the My Little Pony palette cleanser? There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Just draw like your version of My Little Pony on a washcloth or something. We're good. No, it sounds like an uh, animal. Well, I did at a. I did draw my version of a My Little Pony in a sketchbook at Grand Con uh, back in September for a buddy when we were hanging out at the bar after the show wrapped for the day and I'm not going to put it online because let's just say it involves a tentacle and uh, having fun with the uh, Twilight Sparkle and uh, there's, a, there's a squish sound effect and etc. Wow. I've it's seen those things I'm not going to put online. I've seen lots of Friendship is magic. I've seen lots of napkin drawings at restaurants from Tina, and I think you guys now have to collaborate. That's why I was laughing so hard. I know. You immediately imagined um, that particular pony meeting uh, Stinky Starfish. Yeah. (laughs) I'm uh, I'm pretty happy with the expression on her face, too. I think said. it was like a dare or something too. Like they <laughs> like dared me to to draw something like that because I usually won't. I don't. I don't kind of do that stuff. But um, if you couldn't tell, but uh, <laughs> you know, it's between friends on a dare. I'll, you know why not? That's how all good tentacle drawings start. Yeah. Between friends. Well, there's a an artist uh, I met at the Traverse City Comic Con, and. He, he'll 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 tell people I'll draw whatever you want. He doesn't care like how dirty or gross it is, but he just says like don't put it online and don't put my name on it, you know, because he'll he'll do it for money. Like he's like you know ten bucks, I'll draw whatever you want, sort of thing. But he says don't put a photo of it online and don't put my name next to it. So. <laughs> 
Which is a shame because like, he's a really good cartoonist, but I'm not going to say his name in case uh, he doesn't want that getting out, but he's really good. Yeah, I, I think for a while um, Tina and I had the thought that we were going to start taking pictures of those. Usually usually it would be something uh, disgusting drawn on a um, to-go box of some kind. And we were I've just going to start yeah. uh, taking pictures of them and, and putting them anonymously on a blog somewhere, on a Tumblr or something. See, the problem <laughs> with that is people, you know, your style still comes through. And if people know your style, <laughs> yeah, they'll, they'll put two and two together. Oh, I don't care. That's just what I do. Everybody knows that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I am not ashamed. <laughs> We do have a we do have a uh, thought for a web comic that uh, that I've started uh, writing, but we haven't done any uh, any actual drawings on yet, uh, which may mean that I end up rewriting everything that I've put down so far. But it's just idea stuff. But uh, right. we want to do one called uh, "Geeks Raise Kids," um, mm. which is sort of auto <laughs> auto comical, I guess. Um, autobiographical comical yeah 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 um which i think uh i think would be a lot of fun for us to do but uh yeah Yeah, there's um uh i've come across similar things where it's autobiographical stuff and uh the thing is there are a lot of people who love autobio comics yeah yeah there there is a big audience for that a lot of people like that kind of stuff cool yeah, like the dads, uh, dads raise kids or something. Like that. Oh yeah, we that's uh, a one of the podcasts that uh, Tina and I listen to a lot of times in the car when we're when we're on a trip or when we're going somewhere is uh, a podcast called Dads Being Dads. That's okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, and it's just two uh, it's just two guys who are roughly my age. I think they might be just a hair older, and their kids are just a little bit older than our kids, but not much. Um, and they're just swapping stories about, um, trying, (laughs) trying, trying to be good fathers, but also a lot of times there's like, oh yeah, uh, so-and-so's friend had a birthday party. And so we went over there and helped, uh, helped chaperone and, uh, oh boy, there was this one kid there who he would not stop hitting all the other kids and they just go into these, uh, interesting, fun stories of like what kind of a social situation you've put yourself in because you have to stop it, but you don't necessarily have authority to like discipline that child. Right. So there's, uh, there's a lot of, uh, fun stuff in there and they're, they're pretty funny guys. So there's, um, a cartoonist, uh, Wes Mulbash. He just started a new comic along those lines. I think actually, um, that is about him and his wife and their uh, infant son. See if I can find it here real quick. But uh, he's a really good uh, cartoonist and he's very active on Twitter and we've chatted back and forth mm. a few times. Yeah, the, I think it's called uh, uh, The Mole Bashes. It's spelled how it sounds. M-O-L-E-B-A-S-H-E-S. Okay. Uh, let's see here. Yeah, it's yeah him and his wife raising their little kid, and I love his drawing style. He's great. That's cool. And, uh, he's he's very friendly and and uh, uh, whatnot. 
on the, on the social medias. <laughs> the social medias. Mm-hmm. On the L.O. Mm-hmm. L.O. <laughs> <Yeah>, Jesus. <laughs> hey, thank you for joining us. This has been an episode of Montreal Sauce. Uh, make sure to come back next week when we have uh, Daniel J. Hogan on once again. You can find him online at Daniel J. Hogan on Twitter. Uh, and, and of course, his uh, lovely webcomic, Clattertron.com. I'm Paul D. on Twitter. And of course, uh, my good buddy, my good Canadian buddy, Chris, is Sick Days, S I K K D A Y S. And uh, thank you for joining us. We'll see you next week. <laughs>